you're a Shark Tank fan or business junkie, check out the podcast, Another Bite. Each week, Another Bite breaks down the biggest success stories and most disastrous failures to come out of Shark Tank. The hosts break down each company's pitch, analyze the deals that were or weren't made, and answer the million-dollar question, are they still a company? Whether you're an entrepreneur looking for tips or a Shark Tank fan that just wants to relive the drama, Another Bite's your deep dive into the world of Shark Tank. Just search for Another Bite in your favorite podcast app, like the one you're listening to right now. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade us of the world outside of that. That's why sport's important. A lot of good things are happening in the Six Nations at the moment. Free-flowing rugby, memorable tries, pulsating mm-hmm. passages of play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just a pity the whole thing is bedeviled with a drink, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it is on God. But wasn't for the booze. It's just tormented with it. It's not only... Lansdowne Road that's turned into a party zone apparently oh no on this the centenary of Brendan Bean's uh, birth (laughs) fair the boozification of this grand old tournament has reached even the most august of Six Nations venues as Ken Early reports well I thought you might be interested in what what Clive Woodward was writing in the Daily Mail this week always Uh, Sir Clive Woodward Twickenham is now the world's biggest pub watching England from the stands (laughs) has become unpleasant people are more interested in drinking than rugby. Wow. So, so, uh, so Clive Woodward writes, Having experienced Twickenham's drinking culture firsthand while working at England's Six Stations opener against Scotland, I don't know if that means he was drinking himself or that he could see people drinking. He could see it while, while he was working on television. Yeah, I mean, is this, it made me realise that the RFU have a big problem on their hands. They have to do something about the huge number of supporters who spend most of the match getting up and down to either go to the bar to buy more beers or to go to the toilet. Wow. Twickenham is turning into the world's biggest pub. And for many England fans, watching their team has now become a pretty unpleasant experience. It's a complex problem, and I don't claim to have all the solutions. But this is a hugely important issue and talking point, not just for English rugby, but for the game as a whole. Well, I mean, he's... He's right there. I mean, I don't know if Clive Woodward The game as noticed. a whole is, is, this is tearing rugby apart. Absolutely. I witnessed this problem during the Autumn Internationals and had hoped it might be better during the Six Nations. Before kickoff on Saturday, I was down at pitch level to preview the match for ITV. As the teams ran out and the anthems were played, we made our way to the studio and walked through Twickenham. I was amazed to see thousands and thousands of supporters still queuing at the bar rather than sitting in their seats ready for kickoff. My friends and family were at the match. They were surrounded by people who were more concerned with drinking than the rugby. They were up and down throughout the game. Each time they returned, they were carrying eight pints each. There was no trouble. <laughs> eight pints, come on, lads. They Jeez. were carrying eight pints each. There was no trouble 
these were decent, polite guys who apologized for causing a disturbance each time. But it was still incredibly annoying for my friends and family, and they had beer spilt on them from behind. On two occasions, there were tries about to be scored, and the returning fans were oblivious to the action on the pitch. What must be hugely frustrating for a lot of England fans is that many of them go to Twickenham just to watch the match. But whether they can or not is something that's taken out of their hands by the actions of others who block their view with constant trips to the bar. Don't get me wrong. I'm not arguing for no drinking at all. I just want to see some understanding of this issue in a way to moderate it. Or if you need to look at it before trouble breaks out, especially when some are paying nearly £200 for a ticket. When we're experiencing a cost of living crisis, you can't get away from the fact that it is very expensive to go and watch England play at Twickenham. This gets to the heart of the RFU's issue. Do they see Twickenham as just a massive revenue generator where they charge top prices for tickets and food and drink to replenish the coffers? Or do they take a step back and realise they need to do something? Because a lot of rugby fans are being put off going to Twickenham by the stadium's drinking culture. It wow. has to be the latter. Well, oh yeah, so he's saying they ought to take a step back. He, yeah. he says, rugby has gone the wrong way in this area. I regularly watch Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Football is obviously a different experience for rugby because you can't drink in the stands. But there would be a riot at Stamford Bridge if fans were up and down as they are at Twickenham. And I think there's soon going to be trouble if action is not taken. Rugby's drinking culture is not just an English problem. It has been a huge issue at... Wales is games at the Principality. What? Where there, have been, where there have been horror stories. In November 2021, one fan vomited over a young boy in Cardiff <laughs> because he was so drunk. The oh fan, my God. I assume, not the boy. The Welsh Rugby Union's introduction of an alcohol-free zone for games at the Principality Stadium was a good move. I think Twickenham should look to do the same. An alcohol-free seating area doesn't mean you can't have a beer before and after the match, but what it would do is ensure that those in that area are unlikely to be disturbed during the action. One other thing I think could be looked at is enforcing a rule where if you get up and leave your seat, you're not allowed back in for a certain period of time. (laughs) (laughs) I can't see any problems with that. If you're watching tennis at Wimbledon and exit the seating area, you're blocked from returning until the players change ends. Rugby is obviously a different sport from tennis with fewer interludes. But if fans left and weren't allowed back in till half time, for instance... It would stop the exodus to the bars. I'd be fascinated to hear the opinion of England fans on this issue. Maybe I'm wrong, and the majority of supporters want to go to the match and have beer after beer. But I'm not sure everyone wants that. And at a time when we're trying to make rugby as inclusive as possible, I think the drinking is putting many off. Uh, Steve Borthwick says he wants to reconnect the crowd and the team. Now, most are interested, more interested in queuing for a drink than what is happening on the field. And when the Six Nations is as good as it was last weekend, I just don't understand why that's the case. Over to you, or if you, it's time to do something about this. Wow. So, I mean, there does appear to be a problem with rugby fans being forced to watch rugby, isn't there? Well, I mean... You know, they'll do literally anything except watch the sport that they, that they love. You need to be off your face. I mean, rugby fans, you know, don't... It's, don't hate me. Look, don't just, at me, rugby fans. I mean, it's true. You like, need to be is, off your face to the, watch rugby. This is the is way... you're saying? Well, that's what the crowds are saying. That's what the, that's what the evidence of, the Clive, Woodward's, of Clive Woodward's yeah. eyes uh, is telling us. You know, it's yeah. it's just... Uh, so, obviously, I, I scroll to the comments. Um, you don't have to be drunk to watch Six Nations rugby, but it helps. Worst, worst rated comments first. Obviously, I enjoy okay, worst rated yep. 
the yeah. worst rated comment on this says, the drink is from uh, someone in Port Elizabeth, South Africa. It says, the drinking culture in England seems pretty over the top. That's the worst rated comment. <laughs> <laughs> they, someone says, they probably don't understand the rules like the rest of us. Too much stop starting rugby. It gets boring. And then someone underneath says, laws, not rules. <laughs> so, oh, so, oh, so, wow, the, the community outreach program could <laughs> so switching to best rated comments these are the best rated yep. of, the, of the 10 comments currently on this column in the daily mail which yeah it's not the most commented upon article of the day I, I should imagine but the best rated comment really not the horrendous cost of tickets which is iniquitous then and everyone is, everyone's agreeing with that and you'll notice that Clive Woodward actually mentions the cost of tickets. In, he did. He mentioned he did. it was pe- people are paying two hundred pounds, but it wasn't as the, it wasn't like this is crazy. This is an insane amount of money to have to pay to watch a rugby game, even an England rugby game. It's if you're paying two hundred pounds, you don't expect to have to stand up every few minutes while some guy goes past with eight points, eight eight points in his hands, and then pukes on your boy. <laughs> you know that's that's not the, that's you, not you, the kind of luxury I wouldn't pay experience 200 quid for that now yeah I wouldn't be paid 200 quid for that that people have in mind when they yeah. go there so so yeah look it's um, yeah. If I, it, it is and it's like the the whole nations can are aflame <laughs> the whole nations <laughs> well, are aflame why are people so surprised by this like, I don't understand like I'm not I'm not someone who's been to like loads of rugby matches in my life I mean I've been to like a handful, five maybe in my in my life, yeah. and at every single one of them, people were drinking enormous amounts of booze. Like it just seems like that's, you know, where have I Part been to? The- I've been to watch rugby matches. The only one that I, I, I was at that people weren't drinking huge amounts of booze, to my knowledge, was the one I covered as a journalist at the Brighton Amex Stadium, which was, mm. I don't know if I ever told you about this. Japan beat South Africa? Yes, Japan, South Africa, yes, we're all aware. Japan beats South Africa. Um, uh, I I wasn't I wasn't drinking because uh, it was uh, it was work. You were on a of course, yep. but I'm sure there were people. We, me and you watched the World Cup quarter final together, of course. Ireland, Argentina, Ireland, Argentina, down Ireland, in the corner of that of that same Principality Stadium where the harrowing scene yep. described by Clive. There was, were there, there people? There wasn't a whole lot of drinking going on that day. Uh, everyone was, was very early. Everyone was, very was drinking. Early everyone everyone was drinking, off. but we were standing right. How did, how did that no, work? we weren't. We were, oh, no, everyone we were was just standing there. even though the seats were there. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. We were standing while Argentina ran in try after try directly in front of us. Yeah. In the first half. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was yeah. magnificent. And then the, the mm. I went to the Aviva to watch Ireland against South Africa and Ireland against New Zealand. And then the RDS to watch a Leinster game years ago. And I mean, this is just... You were terrible company at that. Uh, I remember McDavid telling me about it. What was he complaining about? No, just the, your your lack of engagement with what was happening was annoying to him. It was cold, wasn't it? I think it was, quite distinctly. Yeah, yeah. Cold. You were giving out about the cold, and then more generally about the sport. I think. <laughs> well, but again, you know, I, I, it widened I, out from the cold to the the actual. I game don't think you, you could say I, I wouldn't claim to be steeped in the game, but but already from my from my limited experience of these of these matches, I can say that having pints is a big is a big part of it. And yet, I just see you know. Um, sort of grandee after grandee in in the in rugby, like being appalled and or, or sh- stunned, shocked, mm. uh, shocked to see the drinking is going on in here. So in, the, in this establishment, <laughs> yeah. But what were the results? I mean, we could we could actually help. Maybe I'll put a comment on that. Was I? Yeah, you should. No, I, do I have to register? I don't think no, so. email the RFU. With the, <laughs> with the results, of the what were the, what, what were the results of our poll? Sixty-eight percent of people 
said, I love pints. Beer, I like beer. But was, it, what it were the don't knows? I mean, what, what, what were the, what, and what were the, the, the smaller fraction of people who, but what were they, what were they, what statement were they agreeing with? This should be, uh, it has to be banned. Yeah. We should go back, yeah. we should have prohibition at rugby matches. Yeah, well, just, I think no one has a problem with before the game, halftime, full-time. But the drinking at the seats, I think, is... The, Only 68% of people were in favor of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the obvious answer that suggests to myself from, from what Clive Rudd says is additional bar staff. Thousands of people shouldn't be stuck in queues trying to get pints while the game yeah. is, is, is getting ready to go. You know, it's just, it's yeah. just crazy. Yeah. You know, I was burned by this at the FAI Cup Final. You know, the Bose Pats yep. Cup final. It was it, it was my yeah. turn. It was my turn to get the pint. Um, was I there with you? No, you were. You were. Dear, in, you were. No, no. You were in the Pats, and I was in. With, I was in with the Bose. Oh, of course. And yeah, sorry, uh, of course. obviously, I went to. Uh, unfortunately, at halftime, that was the that was the time it came for my uh, my turn to go to the bar, mm. and I went like pretty much as halftime started, and I only got back at around six, the sixty minute mark. Now, for, to me, for me, that was a disgrace. Mm. Right, you know, I mean, to to I, I had to yeah. miss. You don't want to be you don't want to be bothering your uh, your fellow your fellow fans no. by treading on their toes with your eight your eight pints. Well, there, I don't. There wasn't any obvious complaining. I felt I felt people understood the situation. Well, you're you're lighting your feet. To be fair, Ken, well, you're a big man, but you're lighting your feet. Well, but I, but I felt obviously I didn't want to I didn't want to miss the game. But clearly, I wasn't going to having queued for that long. I wasn't going to mm. then abandon. The, you know, would have been. I would have yeah. come back yeah. empty-handed and and complaining, and no one, no one is interested in that. No one wants that. Yeah. But you know, I, I, at the same time, I did feel that the stadium needed to have a need to have a think about that, and mm. and so basically, what you're saying more is bars to, and to, more to staff. the problem of yeah to the problem of too much drink. You say just more drink qui- uh, delivered quicker. Can and is it possible to to kind of tap them into the seats somehow? Yeah, or to have yeah, bars yeah, yeah. in the in the main area of the stadium, not ju- not so they have to go to a sort of concourse, but more where the where you the know exits how they used are. To send, like you know how they used to send memos in the nineteen fifties where they pushed the little tube thing into a little tube, so you and you like fire it off vacuum the, uh, vacuum viable. tube. Yeah, vacuum tube. But every seat in the Aviva should have one of those, so that every time you want a can, you can just. And it just and then, like, shoots, shoots later, straight it shoots up, yeah. And it, like it, it literally pops out of the thing, so you have to catch it. Yeah. So you're actually getting a little bit of hand-eye coordination work in as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, but no cues, no muss, no fuss, no one getting stepped on. I mean, sure, there might be a few kids getting vomited on. The, that, to be fair, that that the solution I've just uh, provided there does probably it will. I mean, there's no point in saying otherwise. It will lead to more kids getting vomited on. Mm. That's just. That's just yeah, the but, reality. Yeah, but it's you know again to f- to focus on lurid details such as that. Yeah. I encourage you to step back and think. You know, the greatest good for the greatest number. Hmm. You know, and that's that really should be the guiding guiding principle. Listen, I know the image of a ten year old kid getting puked on at a Six Nations match shouldn't be funny. No, but I was off yesterday when Ken <laughs> when when he came out with all of that. And li- li- listen, I, all I say is my hope is. And I think it probably is an apocryphal tale, yes. which means I can feel okay that I burst out laughing yeah, when I, I mean, heard that uh, live. Whatever about your reaction, my reaction was also broadcast at that yeah, yeah. Uh, at that time. <laughs> so I, I feel a certain amount of shame that my my first thought wasn't for the poor. I'll say it here: if if that did happen, and I'm the f- father of that child, 
I, I'd be leading the charge to ban the booze. I would certainly be writing the bowl. an email. Is that what they call it? The inside. Yeah, I'd be. Yeah. I'd be reporting that incident. That's not. Yeah. That's just not. That's not good. <laughs> you can't. No. You can't be doing that. All. No. No. You just can't be doing. Can't that. be puking on kids. No. We no. did some actual Six Nations analysis with. You're a real hard ass when it gets to that sort of thing. On <laughs> with arguably the two best teams in the world. Other oh, adults. I mean, uh, that's fair of course. Game. Listen. You, know? you buy your ticket. You buy your ticket. Yeah. You take your chances yeah. on as far as I'm concerned. Think if you're children. over 18, then listen. Have at it. <laughs> May the best man, woman, or puker win. If you're over 18, okay. just wear a hat. We did some actual Six Nations. That should be the, the yes. tagline for Six yeah. Nations it matches. Should, now. Uh, wear a hat. Warning uh, underneath the, yeah. the Ticketmaster stripe. We did some actual Six Nations analysis with arguably the two best teams in the world playing each other in a possible Grand Slam decider ahead of a likely meeting in the quarterfinals of the World <laughs> Cup. Wow. World Service members got their big match preview today, straight after the Ireland team was named without some key personnel. The preview featured special guest Romain Bourgogne of L'Equipe, whose prediction was... I would say Ireland by five points. Yeah, you don't mean that, come on. See, of course, of course I mean that, because I think Ireland is ready for this game, and I'm not sure France is as its best form now, because you were talking about the... A lot of game played by uh, Dan Sheehan this season, but you know, in 2014, they all played all the time, all the time. So they, I don't know if they are the top form, but I think Ireland on this ground will want to 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 prove something and to to beat France finally. So I, I would say France by five, uh, Ireland by, by five. five. Hmm, I don't know. I don't know. They've been they've beaten us three years running. They've won 14 matches in a row. And we're we down. We're also three. down two over three world class. Like, you know, when Roman Entomac was trying to make us favourites earlier in the week, that was before Dan Sheehan was added to the mm. Tyke Furlong injury list. If so, you asked him know. today, he'd give you a totally different answer. No, I'd, I'd say I'd say Roman would say the same thing. Roman Entomac, that is. Mm. But it's interesting that Roman, our French journalist, who was here, uh, who didn't have to, he didn't have to toe the party line, mm. and he didn't in many respects. But he did say that. They think Ireland are going to win. I, like, it's just hard to accept that everyone maybe genuinely does think we're very good rather than. I knew, I always felt four years ago it was just blowing smoke. Yeah. It's like Steve Hansen. Oh, yeah, they're yeah number one team mm. in the world. Let's see how that. Let's see how they handle Let's see how they handle the pressure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think this is a. It feels got, a bit different. He got his answer on. Yeah, he, de- he definitely got <laughs> he his definitely answer. He definitely did. Uh, the big football story of the week was the biggest football story for a long time now. It broke on Monday and Ken was back with a full football pod on Tuesday for World Service members. Man City charged with breaking financial fair play rules more than 100 times over multiple years. Ken got into this with Miguel Delaney, two great Irish football journalists, Miguel Delaney and Dion Fanning. The stakes for the Premier League in this are absolutely gigantic. They've made the, yeah. they've made a massive accusation against the most successful club and the the richest club in the league that's dominated for the last decade. And the accusation is that over this period of time, or from 2009 to 2018, is is the technical period covering this. Although then the subsequent period from 2018 to now, um, the accusations are the same because the city weren't cooperating with the investigation. You see what I mean? Um, but they, they've essentially. The, the, the accusation is that City have lied all that time, systematically, about their finances. They've been providing false accounts, and this and, and this is how they've been running their club, like in a, in a dishonest way. It's a gigantic accusation, and if it but, was yeah. to, to to make this accusation and for and for it to 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 for the for it to fail, you know, for for the league to kind of to to come at the king, let's say, and then for it all to just melt away. 
would be a massive like I mean it's this, what I'm saying is the stakes both for City and the Premier League uh, couldn't be higher in this situation. Well, that's another reason why this is different. I completely, and I know there's been there's been this this uh, position put forward by people in football that um, one of the reasons these things are never kind of um, one of the reasons for weak governance because as soon as you start really penalising clubs or, for example, putting asterisks or stripping clubs of titles, it weakens your product. But that's completely, as you say, now on the other side, if the Premier League has gone this far and can't actually make this stick, that looks even worse. Because, I mean, if you, if you it's ironic, actually, if you talk to people in, in European football, you know, one of the arguments often put forward as to why the Premier League has been so, so successful has been strong governance in comparison to other leagues. Well, now, this is it. And, of course, this all comes in the context of a wider debate in English football, just as a uh, government white paper uh, is being delayed. And that government white paper is pretty much about the core idea that football can't govern itself. That's, that's why we're at that point. And that's what this is actually about. Yeah. The, the idea, I mean, that you've uh, referred to already, that this could drag on for a really long time, also seems intolerable. Like this, it's, yeah, well, it's, it's so serious. Like the the accusation is so serious that you can't just sort of park it and say, "Well, that's with the lawyers." In the meantime, let's get on with playing these seasons. It's like, well, hang on a second. You know, well, on what basis are these seasons being conducted? Like, is this season, you know, is is are Man- do Manchester City have a, have a sort of legitimate team out at the moment? You know, is it, what's the case going to be next? You know, how long is this going to be sort of hanging over everything? Like, this is a is, is a gangrenous. Um, you know, accusation to hang over the league. I mean, if the, the the league is supposed to be the most popular, you know, sports competition in the world, and you know, the main club, you know, the most successful club in it, how, how can the league allow this situation to happen? If they're accusing City of of having uh, deceived them, and this is how they're how they're running it, how can they not deal with that? Quickly, it can't continue. It to be, you know, it, it, can, it sort of ruins the reputation of, of of what's happening as it's ongoing. Yeah, and one thing about that that was put to me yesterday as well is, and this is why the fact it can't go to, to cast is so important as well, is that City won't be able to tie it up. Say, if if they are proven guilty. City won't be able to tie it up in appeals to the same degree. But yeah, you're completely right. That while this is, it's it's of such core importance, the scale of the alleged breaches that um, that it's not in the Premier League's interest for them to go on that long. But I don't know what the alternative is to it dragging out in because yeah. you're going to have people lawyering up everything. Is that those processes uh, are going to be examined so rigorously by? Cities, lawyers, everything like that means you. I don't. I don't. I, I take your point, and I think it's a, it's a, it's a really important point, especially when you get on to whatever potential punishment there might be. Uh, if it, this drags on, like if if uh, Manchester City sign sort of Jude Bellingham in the summer, and he's standing there with Pep, with Pep Guardiola holding up a scarf, and you're like, well, uh, will this? You know, what what is the uh, what accusations could in the future be made about any? Or any other potential signing and and their contracts mm. and the financial situation around those contracts. So you can't it can't go on, uh, but 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 it will go on. Um, uh, and it's just it, it's going to tarnish. It's going to tarnish City. It's going to hang over the Premier League. And because it is the most successful 
club of of the of the last ten years. It's it's it has an impact on everything. But again, that is why I think, as Miguel says, like that's why it's so important for the Premier League that they're doing this now, and that that what they do is done in a way that possibly takes longer, but also that there is no like the idea that a technicality somewhere along the line means you know a collapse of the case that that's the worst possible outcome that's why like you would think like cities put out all your evidence out there now yeah, it's irrefutable and, and demonstrate why this is uh, an exercise in kind of time wasting finding your perfect home was hard but thanks to burrow furnishing it has never been easier burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium durable materials including stain and scratch resistant fabrics so they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Yeah, my apartment's going to be stacked full of lads. Lovely town lads coming over. Uh, for the whole thing, so it's going to be absolutely carnage. It's going to be absolutely carnage. Absolutely carnage, carnage. It's going to be absolutely carnage. Absolutely carnage. It's going to be stacked full of lads. We've got lovely town lads coming absolutely over. carnage. Simon, I don't know what you're doing toweling off there. Keep that top off and hit that bomb one more time. We've got another football pod on the way tomorrow, which is unusual. Oftentimes, Friday is our Thursday is our second. We like to keep the old pod, World Service members yeah. guessing. We like to throw a curveball in Ooh, if you want to join us. For, I mean, if football. you can handle that level of mental uh, torment, yeah. mental disintegration that we're uh, Francis Murphy's our... guide will make its way in. Even oh, a oh don't you worry pod. about that. Excellent, huh? excellent. That's all on the way. Our Six Nations preview is available now. Our Man City chat's available. It's all available. If Owen, you're amazing. That's that kind of nonsense is available. <laughs> uh, Owen, I like you and I like your style. And that bullshit. Mm. If you just pay five euro a month plus fat. The build up begins. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what the, the hell? The build up begins. I don't know. Jesus. I like that hockey. Yeah. Can we have that again, Ty? Have we got that, Andy? The build up begins. <laughs> Well, he's not usually that weird. Uh, That's not even. I mean, he's often that weird, but not always that weird. Secondcaps.com is where to sign up. The Secondcaps podcast is part of ACAST. (laughs) I was going to say it's so fast that then, you know, you wouldn't even hear ACAST, which is kind of the point of mentioning. No, no, you got to give them their due. We're part of the ACAST Creator Network. We are part of the ACAST Creator Network. We couldn't be. We couldn't be happier. Proud, happy, excited. Proud. Did we mention proud? We are. We're proud. ACAST Creator Network. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports important. If you're a Shark Tank fan or business junkie, check out the podcast Another Bite. Each week, another bite breaks down the biggest success stories and most disastrous failures to come out of Shark Tank. The hosts break down each company's pitch, analyze the deals that were or weren't made, and answer the million-dollar question, are they still a company? Whether you're an entrepreneur looking for tips or a Shark Tank fan that just wants to relive the drama, another bite's your deep dive into the world of Shark Tank. 
Just search for another bite in your favorite podcast app, like the one you're listening to right now.